Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's talk about bearing evangelistic fruit. Yesterday we looked at Philippians chapter 2 when someone takes on the, the attitude of Christ to the point of self-sacrifice. Now Colossians chapter 3 speaks more about the Christ-like nature and how when we're saved, we become new creations. This is one way that you can know that your evangelistic walk is truly bearing fruit. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and see if this echoes what you're observing in your friends whom you lead to Christ. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The things of this earth grow strangely dim in light of his glory and his grace. The things that used to occupy our time and our minds before we knew Christ, they suddenly just fade. And we see them for what they really were. They were all meaningless, meaningless, all of it meaningless. See Solomon in Ecclesiastes. The things of this world, they just don't matter. All that matters is Christ. And when Christ is revealed, we see our very lives. Our lives are now hidden with Christ above. So we set our minds on the things above, not on earthly things. We're not as stressed out as others are by COVID. We're not even afraid of death. We're not even afraid of, uh, we're not as upset by political upheaval. We're not as upset by earthly things because our hearts are on things above. Our minds are set and consumed with heavenly things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Now notice this comes after conversion. When you're bearing evangelistic fruit, this comes after conversion because it all began with having been raised with Christ. That's chapter three, verse one of Colossians. The therefore in verse five comes assuming this person is actually saved. If you get this cart before this horse, you will commit the same classic error of legalism that crippled the Catholic Church throughout the Dark Ages and has, has corrupted every legalistic sect of Christianity ever since. It's not that they get their acts together first and they come to Christ. Rather, it's that having confessed Jesus, having been raised with Christ, now we repent. We repent from our sexual immorality, we repent from our impurity, we repent from our lust and our evil desire and our greed, which is idolatry. See, because before that we were consumed with the things of this world, all right? The status and the shiny new thing, it became an idol in our lives. We became greedy to try to attain it, and that's where we were worshiping it, all right? That's where greed and idolatry are conflated with one another in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 6 continues, because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. Because all that stuff that we used to be defined by, God's wrath is coming, and rightly so. The wages of sin is indeed death. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. You hear me? Slanderous, libellous Christian bloggers. Filthy language from your mouth. Oops. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practice. <laughs> My cameraman Mark just raised his hand. <laughs> Don't like do do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, 
circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. He's like, look, that used to be you. You used to walk in these ways. You used to be defined by your anger, your wrath, your malice, your slander, your filthy language, your lying. That's your old self, man. You put that stuff away. You put on the new self because this is who you are now. You and I have been born into a sin nature, sinful from the moment that we were conceived, man. Like we were, we, like no one is righteous, not even one. Nobody seeks God and that's our old selves. But now, now you have the new self. You're a new creation. The old is gone, but the new has come. Now you've been washed, justified, sanctified by the spirit of our God. That's not you anymore. That's not your name anymore. So you put on the new self. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew. All right, now that might not mean much to you and I, but believe it or not, this is actually at the very epicenter of much of what critical race theory hopes to achieve, at least ostensibly. Greeks and Jews hated each other. That's an ethnic and cultural line that had a whole lot of hostility on either side and no demilitarized zone buffer between them. But in Christ, there is no Greek or Jew. In Christ, there is no black and white in Christ. There is no privilege and unprivilege in Christ. There is no political division in Christ. We're one. Now the circumcision, uncircumcision thing, like you may not be someone who has like a lot of bitterness in your heart to someone who is like, if you're circumcised and they're not, you hate them. You're like, that has no resonance with me, Jesse. Here's the background to it. Jews really prided themselves on their circumcision. Jewish males did. And then they would look down on those who weren't circumcised. See David's insult to Goliath before he killed him. And this is obliterating that line between the Jews and the Gentiles. That this is obliterating. There's, there's no circumcision and uncircumcision. There's no barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. There's no boundaries. But Christ is all and is in all. Man, that, that is diversity training right there. It's just Christ. I don't define myself by my past sins. I no longer hold on to the bitterness that I had. Anybody wearing a different color jersey from me, I hate them. Not anymore, now it's just Christ. If I'm in Christ and they're in Christ, they come from a different cultural background from me, they speak a different language from me, they held on to a different political ideology than I used to. The, 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 the two of us may be very, very different from one another and they may be really privileged and I'm not, but guess what? If they're in Christ, I'm in Christ, we are one. This is the beautiful unity that comes with salvation. Watch what happens when you lead someone to Christ. You know you're bearing evangelistic fruit when they lay down their weapons and they no longer are at war. They're no longer drawing hard lines between themselves and others. They're no longer defined by their anger, rage, malice, filthy language in their lips and their lying. That's their old self. Now they put on the new self. They're one with Christ, which means they're one with others who are in Christ. And all of a sudden, the very things they used to champion and clamor for, at least in a virtue signaling fashion, they now experience to the glory of God. Unity, what greater thing to have in common with someone than the Savior who saves all of our souls from our righteous punishment. This is how you know you're bearing evangelistic fruit. You read Colossians 3 and you see that it describes the person you've led to Christ. Watch this take place in a process that we call sanctification. That's where we become more and more like Christ. Colossians 3, an incredible chapter, and it describes this process. Watch God at work in your friend's life who just accepted Christ. 
If you haven't led someone to Christ yet and you want to see this, buck up, man, go. Speak up the gospel. Start the sacred conversation. Seize the opportunity that the Holy Spirit appoints for you. Get addicted to that heart palpitating feeling and speak up, say his name, it's Jesus, and then watch God work. Are you ready? Evangelize.